Um, so today's staff um, is, is de facto, is in fact Yuket, although it should be Chaf, but that's what we're up to, so we will catch up God's willing to pick up the very last line of Yuket HaMetbet, we're finishing up the aspects about how the Megillah has to be read. If we're in Psalm, various things that are not Yo, are not what Rabbis consider ink. Um, so Psalm is Sama. Um, now we know. Sikra, which is also not good. Abner Rabbi Barbarchana, Sikrita. Well, that helps too. Sma. Kumus, what's Kumus? is Kumus. All right, so anyway, you know, that's the problem with translation. It only helps if, you know, the language is being translated into. Um, I don't know. Anyway, you want to quickly read what the English says for all of those? All right, yeah. Sama is an arsenic mineral. Yes. One's for uh, painting, making dye. Right. Krista is a red pavement used for various purposes was made from lead. Yeah. Komas is a, is a tree resin from... Uh, tree resin. Uh, Got it. Yeah, okay. also a dye. Good, moving on. Um, Kanketom, which also is not good, Karta Ushkati. So Rashi says that is some type of a black dye used for dyeing leather. Giftera, which is what you cannot write on, um, is Damaliach the Kamiach, is leather that has been, um, you know, uh, um, parchments that has been um, uh, salted and kamiach uh, is like with uh, um, uh, uh, flour, like has been treated. Below office. Uba the afatsim. Oh, kamiach the mind. That's a good point. Okay, so it's not been treated with water, but below office, but has not been sort of treated with afatsim, um, which is a type of a, 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 a what? Gornas, thank you, which is also a type of thing that they used to make them dye. And near paper is machka is like a cloth based paper all of these are not good until it's written in uh, Ashuris which is our Hebrew script not the ancient Hebrew script but the current one which is Babylonian influenced Ashur as, as their writings and their time and in their right time so apparently that was the original writing. Again, we point out the irony that that actually refers to a multiple range of different writings. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'll have Sefer So... Yeah, and, that's um, okay, that's different. That's like, uh, we're not, that's learned out from the Hekesh to Mezuzah. We're not getting into that. I'll have Sefer on parchment with ink. Talking about, so Baruch, who is the sofa of Yirmiya, says, you know, that, uh, that Yirmiya would read these things to me, and I would write on the safer with Dio, on the parchment with ink, so we make Shava again, linking Esther to these other books of Tanakh, and it has to be written on parchment um, with ink, and however the ink was made, um, whatever those ingredients were, which is a discussion in the Rishonim, what were those original in- ingredients, um, so that, you know, and Tosos has some of that discussion so that they can know that the Sifri Torah that they're writing, or the Megillahs that they're writing, are also Kasha. I'll just mention um, very um, quickly, if you take a look at um, Tosos on uh, Diftera, the Maliach the Kamiach below Ophit, Tosos says, Kasha, in Kain Hech Koshimat Klopin Shalanu, the Loafiti, Sefer Torah, the Tzuli Megillah. They're not worked over, with, they're not treated with Gaulnot. The Tirch of Eden Tam, Shasti, Chanu, Nosin, the Klopin Shalanu, Mahani Tapatin. The plaster that we put on our on our parchments is the same as has the same effect as the um, as the wall. Now again, that's you know that's quite radical, right? Imagine that the dictates exactly the way the cloth has to be made for sefer Torah, exactly the ingredients of the ingredients. Yeah, but you know this other thing, it basically does the same thing, has the same effect. 
So, you know, Rabbi Nathan did it because it already was the widespread practice and he was coming to justify how that was acceptable. But again, it shows you the power of the accepted practice because to try to like reinterpret it like this would be, you know, you know, be seen like completely like, who allows you to go this very specific way to make the right heart to the right ink to say, well, this is a good thing. Right so to make it look with no social. I'll say for video, no, you need the right ink. No, what no, are no, the right, no, what, no. what might be substitutes? So here's Rabbi Nathan, says, Yo Shalanu Hud Yo Gamur. Now, an ink made, I said before, gall nuts could be the basis of ink. So Rabbeinu Tam says, that's not the basis of the rabbinic ink. So anyway, he tries to prove it. And then he says, if you skip down, to, you see the word that slime starts with the word liso? Okay, yeah, so he yeah. says, so he says, and he comes at Russell, he's so safe for Torah, so here Rabbi Nathan wanted to do the opposite. He says, our cloth, even though they're not written according to the way, done the way the Gemara says, that's fine, because the plaster takes the place of the other type of treatment. Wow. But, but, he wants to prove that the ink can't be made out of gall nuts, and he wanted to invalidate Sifei Torah that were. The Ashkenazim Heshivo, which is interesting, I hear Rabbi Nathan and Ashkenazi, but maybe he means the Germans, that, that, that's not true. They have an answer to the Gemara, and then he goes back and forth, okay? And da, 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 da. So it's quite interesting, like, which are the ones that he said, oh, look, this is accepted practice, we have to reinterpret the Gemara, and which are the ones that he said, well, I'm going to reject what a practice is, you know, based on the Gemara. So these two tosos are held right, that juxtaposed right to one another are quite fascinating in terms of, you know, the influence and the uh, practice and the, and the Gemara, yeah. There's a note here that the ink has to be erasable. Uh, yeah, that's part of Tosos' point. What? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's like a conceptual idea behind it. I mean, the Gemara, I mean, they learn also like from the Sota, right? It says that you scrape the right. ink into it. So I don't know if the Gemara gives like a conceptual reason behind it as much as just that was a tradition that that was the quality and they knew it from the case of the Sota. But you're right, it is ironic, right? You think the whole point is the idea of a permanence, right? Yeah. I, I've been amazed to see Sofrim take an ordinary black marking pen and just make corrections. Um, uh, in a Sefer Torah? In a Sefer Torah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I, and I, I heard from uh, Rabbi Menevinius <coughs> that that's totally okay. Yeah. As long as, it does, as long as the ink is not from a non-kosher animal, which um, modern synthetic inks are. Right. Um, I was stunned. Yeah, I'll have to look into about that. Um, I don't to make corrections. Or, like, to make corrections. I don't know about really like, write it like that with begin this uh, well, I, yeah, I, so that's I, a good that point. I don't. I, I'd have to. I, I'd have, I, I don't. I don't know the specifics of that off the top of my head. Okay, let's get on. Next mission. Ben ear shalach l'krach. Ben krach shalach l'ear. Masi l'asulim komo korekin komo. So now you have this whole idea of which you know we have different dates to read, 14th and 15th. Let's say that this whole thing about you know goes from one place to another. So we have an idea of minug makom shahalach l'sham, minug makom shayatsam l'sham. You know, being machmir the way where you're coming from, where you're going. But here's an idea of being machmir. You have to pick a day. I mean, you could say you read both days, but presumably but let's pick one date and which is the date you're going to read. So here you are. You're a man of the 14th, and, and you are what? We just pick wherever you are. Well, all right. So let's take a look. And you're going to a, a walled city, or a person from the walled city going to an unwalled city. Um, if you're planning on going back to your place, then you're still uh, considered, you know, from, from, from your hometown. Um, and you'll read like your hometown, even though that's not when the rest of the city is reading. 
but if you're not planning on going back, then you read with him. Now, going back when? Does that mean you've permanently resettled? So the Gemara will discuss that. Completely separate question, which we've alluded to before, or referred to before. Where do you start reading the Megillah from? The whole Megillah has to be written, as we said, but where do you have to read Why from? I don't know, because it's one thing to be the Sefer Torah, you know, to be the right object. It's another thing that what the act of, of uh, you know, of, of doing the act of reading is. Anyway, the Yotse, to fulfill the obligation, so it doesn't indicate that it's necessarily Lichatchila, but what's the minimum required? The Vimeo Omer Kula, Reb Meir says all things, Reb Yudo Omer Mi'ish Yehudi, starting from the story of Mordechai, Reb Yotse Omer Me'achar HaDevarim Ha'ela, so, um, which is starting from the story of Haman, so we'll see about what that's in, in the Gemara. Amar Rabba, so first about this issue about changing places. Lo Yishon Olishot Asid Lach Zerbelel Yudalit, when is it that when you're go- if you're going to go back, you read like where you came from, if you're going to go back to the night of the 14th? Now, who are we talking about if going to go back to the night, night of the 14th? So Rashi says, and we're just going to read this like Rashi, this can be very confusing, but Rashi says we're talking about that you are, that you are going to, the, to a 14th city. And to determine are you considered part of that city or not, is determined by will you be in the city you're at in the daytime of their reading. Okay, but what is critical is, as we said before, because the Mishnah only knows of reading in the daytime. It's only in the Gemara they have the reading at the night. So the reading of the daytime is the sort of determining factor, is the identifying marker. So, if you're planning on being in that city that you're now visiting in the daytime that they are reading, then you are considered to be a member of that city. And then you will read for that city's readings the night before and the daytime. So you mean do not do it twice. If I'm here, right? Let's, let me I'm just say it, then you'll ask your question. Okay, if you're not planning on being in this that morning, then you will just read according to the schedule of where you came from. So, if you are from the 15th, a 15th city, you're Yerushalayim, and you're going ahead and you're visiting, I don't know, what's going on? What? Tel Aviv. You're visiting Tel Aviv, and you are there the night of the 14th. So, do you, anybody else is going to show reading the Megillah? You read Megillah with them. Well, if you're planning on staying up staying till the morning, you'd read Megillah with them. And the next morning, you'd read the Megillah. And then, presumably, even if you end up going home on the 15th, you would already have been yoked, say. Okay, that's one scenario. Now, somebody's going to say, well, let's see, we're planning on being there on the 14th, and then your plans change. And okay, that's a whole complicated thing which we're not going to discuss. Okay? <laughs> let's assume that your plans did not change, right? Because, okay, so then, in the slip case, you're from Tel Aviv and you're going to Yerushalayim, and here's an interesting thing. You know, if you were in Tel Aviv on the 14th, and then you went to Yerushalayim, right, the, the, the night of the 15th, presumably you were already Yosef. So, again, all this could be debated, but let's just assume that. But let's say that you, uh, and then you wouldn't read again in Yerushalayim. But let's say you went to Yerushalayim and on the 14th, okay? You, you went on the 13th, okay? So there you are in Yerushalayim on the night of the 14th. Are you going to read like, you, like everybody back home is reading? So you say to yourself, am I planning on being here the day of the 15th? If the answer is yes, then I'm not going to read like the people back home. Then I am a, a, a citizen of Yerushalayim for Megillah purposes, because I'm going to be here the day they read the Megillah, the morning that they read the Megillah. And therefore, come, you don't read it all on the 14th, come the 15th at night and the 15th at day, you read in Yerushalayim. 
Okay, so that's basically how it works. Again, there's a lot of things to ask. Let's say you were in Yerushalayim on the 14th, you thought you were going to be there the 15th, and you went back to Tel Okay, but you know, that's the basic point. You visit the entire region. Exactly. It's determined by where you plan to be. If you're, if the place you're in, you plan to be there the morning that they read, you're a citizen of that place for the purposes of Mikra Begilius. Not you're like the place you came from. Let's just read that and then take questions. Amarava. Shanu So again, you're, you're from Yerushalayim, you're in Tel Aviv. When is it, if you're planning going back to Yerushalayim, you, you read on, you'll read on the 15th, not the 14th, if you're going to go back in the night. So if you're not going to go back at the night, you're only going to go back after daybreak of the 14th. Then you are enough going to be a, since you'll be with the 14th, and your plans are to be with the Tel Aviv in the morning of the 14th, for this, the morning that they're reading, then you're considered part of that city. Amar Rava, where do I get this from? The verse says, Therefore the Jews of the, open, of the unwalled cities that sit in the unwalled cities. Let's take a look. It says the Jews of the unwalled cities. Why do you have to add that sit in the unwalled cities? That's quite redundant. Hakamash Malana teaches you Paras Ben Yomo Nikra Paras a one day Paras a one day unwalled city person is, a, is already a unwalled city person so therefore if you're a one day Tel Avivian then you're a Tel Avivian so if you were going to be there now the one day that matters is the day that they read but if you were just going to be there just for that one day even if you're not resettling you're just going to be there the day of the 14th you're considered a member of that city and you read on the 14th and now we say the flip um uh I don't know a That's in terms of you becoming now a member of an unwalled city. Mukaf Minalan, how do you know the reverse works? Samaru, makes sense. Either Paris Ben Yomakari Paris, Mukaf Ben Yomakari Mukaf. So for one day Talvivian is a Talvivian, and one day Yerushalmi is a Yerushalmi. So if you're gonna be there just for one day, the critical day, the morning that they are reading the Megillah, then you're considered part of their city. Okay. The Amar Rava, Rava also says, Ben Kfar Shalach Le'ir, now how about a more, um, you know, interesting case, I don't know, that's pretty interesting already, but okay, a different case is, you are basically a, um, um, from Yerushalayim, and you went, I'm sorry, you are from a village around Yerushalayim, and you went to Yerushalayim, I'm sorry, forget Yerushalayim, I'm confusing, you are from a village near Tel Aviv, and you went to Tel Aviv, so the, now we're getting to the issue of not 14 and 15, but 11, 12, 13, and 14. So you are visiting Tel Aviv from one of the outlying villages, um, and uh, what's the story? Do you read, now here I am, Monday, this year Monday was on the 12th, okay? Everybody back in my village is reading today on Monday the 12th, but I find myself here in Tel Aviv. Do I read on the 12th now that I'm in Tel Aviv, or do I have to wait to the 14th? Because everybody back at my, in my home village is reading on the 12th. So Rubba says, Benkach, Benkach, Kare Mohen. Regardless, you eat with them. Now, what does regardless mean? So Rashi says, Regardless of whether I'm going to be in Tel Aviv in the morning, right? Because that, that would be true even if I was coming to Yerushalayim. If I was going to be in Tel Aviv on the 14th, I would read in Tel Aviv. Now here, even if I'm going to be back home by the 14th, I can't, I, I have to read back home on the 14th. Back home? No. Wherever I'm going to be. Here I am. Here I am. I'm in Tel Aviv. It's on the 12th. Mm-hmm. Everybody back home is reading because it's a Monday. And Rob is saying, even if, even if you're not going to be back in Tel Aviv on the 14th, even if you're planning on being back home on the 14th, you have to read with the people of Tel Aviv. You have to read on the 14th. 
Okay? Because the whole idea was, in principle, you should have been reading on the 14th anyway, even in the village. We gave you a leniency because people are, you know, you had to come in for whatever the day is. So this case, right? So let's take a look. He said, so I was home on the 12th and then I went to leave on the 14th and I don't do it because I really don't stay on the 12th, right? So Correct. 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 Presumably. We'll talk about that. Okay, let's take a look. So, okay. So it says like this. Um, oh, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I misread, I misread it because the case I gave actually would have been every scenario. I'm sorry. I misread it. Because the case I gave, everybody in the village would have been in Tel Aviv on the 12th of the Monday. That's why they're reading on the 12th because they're all coming in for the market day. I'm sorry. So I misread that. Rashi says it's been far... I'm sorry. So, so cross that what I said, right? If the guy from the village is visiting Tel Aviv on Monday the 12th, of course he needs on the 12th. That's the whole reason why we made it. Because everybody is visiting on that Monday, and they're in Tel Aviv, and there are people available to read, and they read on that Monday. So that's the case where that's Dafka, you are visiting on the Monday in the big city, and you're going to read on that day. No, Rashi said no. So the case is different. The case is, you read in your village. Okay, you're ready. Now you're visiting Tel Aviv and it's the night of the 14th. But you're planning on returning before daybreak. Okay? You're there, it's the night of the 14th, you're planning on returning before daybreak. Do I go ahead and do I read again now the 14th at night if I've already read back home two days ago? Or I've already read when the village visited Tel Aviv two days ago. Okay, is that today's clear? Alright, sorry for the confusion. So let's read that again. So this villager... Um, he read already two days ago on the market day in Tel Aviv, but now he's back in Tel Aviv, and it's the night of the 14th. Regardless of whether he's planning on going back that night or, not, or the next day, he'll still read with them. My time, and what's the reason? I mean, he already read. So, hi, because he says, hi, because he should have been reading as, the, as like the 14th in general, even when he was in his village. Rabbis were lenient in order to make them, you know, because they, uh, you know, they make them, you know, they provide all of the, uh, you know, uh, water and food and whatever, and they come in for the market day, and to make that something that, you know, available for, uh, um, uh, uh, works for them, they basically said that they could do the Kriyas, the Kriyas and the Gila on that day, because, uh, because of, you know, what they're doing in terms of, uh, in, in terms of their, you know, the general commerce requires that so therefore but it's a leniency um, so So when is that true that we said oh it'll count if you read it early if when the actual 14th comes along which is the day you should have read you're back home so we're not going to demand for you to come again because that would have compromised your ability to come in on the market day etc etc but now that you actually do find yourself in Tel Aviv so keep the ear by Lenikri goes back to the general rule that you really have an obligation to read on the 14th. So it's a pretty funny idea. You already read and were Yotzei, but now that you're in the Tel Aviv, it's like, you know what, when you were Yotzei, it was really like a uh, substitute. So now that you're really here, you've you got to do the real thing. Okay, which is pretty funny. So Tosos has a problem with that. You know, Tosos has a possibility to read it more differently. He finds it pretty shocking. If you look quickly at Tosos, Right? Well, you already Yosef, you got to read again? 
so again, he's a very long puzzle, so he just sort of restates the, the points, but he's very, you see that he's like working it through, he's very bothered. Like, what does this mean? You're already Yotze, and then you're saying you've got to read it again. But he's saying, yeah, you're only Yotze because we were sort of giving you an, a leniency, we were giving you a, an alternative to make life easy, but now there's no need for that alternative, so somehow retroactively, we can't give you credit for that because you're here, you should be doing what you need to be doing. Okay, one wonders if he doesn't read on the 14th. Is he not Yotze? He read on the 12th. He didn't listen to this Gemara. He didn't read on the 14th. Would we say he wasn't Yotze? I don't know. Yeah, let's just get to the Judas. The message is like this. Um, okay. Eisiyabai, Bayeh. Ben Krach Shalach Le'ir. Ben Krach Ben We have a Brite that says, a Ben Krach that goes to a, like uh, you show me that goes to a Tel Aviv, either way he reads like his, his original place. He reads like 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 the Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says Ben Krach Sal Kadaita. Is this really the right version of the of the Brayta? How could that be? Our mission says that it's based on whether he's planning on going back or not. So how could the Brayta say that he always reads like where he came from? Now of course you say the Brayta argues on the Mishnah, but uh, Rabbi doesn't want to say that. So what do you do with the Brayta that says that a person from a Krach always reads like his original place? So Elab Ben Kfar. So that's, he says, it must be, it's a mistaken text. The, kfar, the, word, the, the word kfar and krach is not so different from, like, got a chach, got a rage, whatever. So he says, it must be the original text was then kfar. So Rabbi says, I've got a brighter, which now that I've edited it, because I don't want it to contradict the Mishnah, says that a villager always reads like his original place. So, which would mean, even if he then visits Tel Aviv on the 14th, he was already Yotze, not like you said. So Mar says back, the lafti roots in Nitarza? Wait a minute. You can't bring a kasha from a brita that you edited. <laughs> if you already have tried to like rewrite the brita to make it to reconcile it, we can also rewrite it. Tani Koreimahem. So we might as well switch to the text that says Kore Kinkomo to say Kore Imahem. <laughs> Alright, once you started playing around with the text, it can no longer be a basis for asking a question. Yes, Charlie. Yeah, uh, two things. Is there any issue if you've read it at one place? and you go to another place the next day, can you fulfill the obligation of others? Um, yeah, there is that discussion. Again, I don't, I don't know. I'd have, have to check. I don't have to top my head. But there is a discussion. I'm pretty sure that the answer is yes, but I have yeah. to check. Okay. okay. Second question: Has anybody applied this to the question of first or second day? I knew you were going to ask. No, no, no. There's more relevant to Mars. This is very specific to Megillah. Okay. okay. So that's the whole <laughs> issue about <laughs> switching your identity. <laughs> now, Mehechan Kore Adamat Megillah. Now, where do you start reading the Megillah from? It all has to be written. But where does the act of reading it begin from? Time is on the right. <laughs> which is really like the turning point, right? Way. It's really like the when everything starts reversing itself. I mean, you missed the whole build-up, but okay, you got the story of the nace, right? So you can understand that, like, okay, the whole story of what preceded was just so you can appreciate the nace. The big thing we're celebrating is the nace. So, okay, so that makes the fourth position we don't have in the Mishnah. They all explain one, they all are getting it from one verse. Okay, they wrote all of the power, so uh, the essence. 
my da- so, so that and, and presumably that is, and and that indicates like if that's what they're emphasizing is being written kind of like you know there's a sense of the of the power of the story so there's a sense of course the whole, again the whole thing has to be written but maybe you only have to read the power of the story so what's the power so Mazamar Kula you have to read the whole thing it starts with the power of Achazveras which is the beginning of the story it starts with the, it's about the power of the strength of Mordechai the role that Mordechai plays it's when Haman comes onto the scene the power of the miracle so now I gotta tell you that doesn't really help explain anything right okay great so you could always start the story from any of those points but what makes you sort of you know want to say this you know this is what's central so of course you could say you gotta tell the whole story the Nate you could say that's the Nate Right, and I think the more interesting one is like you know is Haman and uh, Mordechai. You know, again, there you could sort of say that Haman is the beginning of the. You know, when you start telling the story of uh, of, of Hanukkah, right? You tell the story about you know, and you know, and you, 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 you know, you had the edicts and you had the gzera, blah blah blah. You have to say all the bad stuff, which is where you start the nace. So the Achazveris part of the story that. You know, it sort of a little bit explains how Esther got in, you know, how Esther sort of, a little, it explains how Esther got into the uh, castle there. But, you know, but like, the story of the Nath, in a way, which starts with all of the, you know, the threat that was hanging over them that preceded, that's, you know, that's like Haman. You sort of get Haman. Um, starting from Mordechai, it's because he, you know, it's an interesting question, right? Who is the hero of the Purim story? Is it Mordechai or is it Esther? Right. Because it doesn't have the, it doesn't mention Esther, right? Could have said, you start from Yushudi, but you could have called that Tokfo Shalester, because that's how Esther gets in right. So, I mean, presumably it means that the Gemara is looking at, as, as Mordechai is the hero of the story, so you want to sort of start from that, from that part. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, um, okay, where are we? Um, what do they see about this and what came upon them now it's not going to so he's going to sort of explain this as three things Marau, what did what what motivated al because of this and the this the blank will be filled in and then what was the end of the story so that's like framing the uh you know the whole narrative some people did something why did they do it because of this and what was the end of it the end of it was it was, was, was the following Manda Markula is here's how he reads it. Going back to that Midrash, what led the Chashverosh to uh, use the vessels of the Beis Hamikdash? The answer is Al Kacha for the X. What's X? Because he, he made the seventy-year calculation and they hadn't been redeemed. What was the end of the story? The of Vashti that he wound up killing Vashti as a result because that was that whole little thing. Of course, if that was the whole re- read of that, then you could end the uh, you could end the reading of the Milgi after Tarakal. Okay, but the point is that that frames the whole story right in the context of like this a the, the exile the Beit Hamikdash also in the context of sort of like this sort of um, you know uh, cosmic battle right Achashverosh planning against the, the predict against the whole idea of the redemption and trying to you know anticipate you know, or whatever, uh, usurp, you know, the whole sort of prophecy and so on. So that's sort of framing it that way. So how about that? What motivated Mordechai, the Ikni Bahaman, that uh, he was just sort of, you know, jealous with Haman, meaning that he refused to bow down to Haman. Al-Kakha, for reason X. What's reason X? 
to shove him out the Avodah because Havan turned himself into, Avodah, into an Avodah Zara. that's giving a little bit of a justification of why Mordechai couldn't just bow down and then we would have been saved all of the Tsars what happened is an end result the miracle occurred so that also in an interesting way you know sort of does position obviously Mordechai as the center but it also raises the question about like you know how much did Mordechai bring this on himself and bring this on the Jewish people you know we mentioned that a little bit before like you know you know our um, Haman and Baruch Mordechai you know you know not to distinguish between the two and Gabar before has had a somewhat veiled critique or questioning of you know Mordechai's action to bring this all about so both sort of sees him as the uh, as the you know as the sort of the uh, central actor of this whole story, but also with some questions about his motivations. Yes. Um, while leaders got deified in much of the ancient world, all the way into the Roman times, the Persians didn't do that. They were uh, all right. So we're not I mean, you, had to, they, you had to prostrate yourself to the king, but it wasn't. Okay, so that's an interesting point about whether this is historically accurate. Okay, but I would say that the end result of this way of framing it is that you might be on the surface astounded about Mordechai, but the end result was he did the right thing because Haman had made himself an Avodah and the and the result was was that led to a miracle. So again, it's sort of hanging it all on Mordechai. So what led Haman to be jealous about all the Jews, not just Mordechai? Um, Al for reason X. So what was the end result? So look what happens if you try to, uh, you know, attack the Jews. So this is going to be the end of the end. What made him have the book of, of history being read? So the answer is Al Kacha. Does that mean say Esther Lahaman Baday that Esther invited Haman with her to the uh, with Hachashverosh to the uh, party? What was the end result? He said that the miracle occurred. So, you know, it is interesting because what it's doing, I mean, again, I don't know how much it adds to the previous issue other than like, you know, what are we, you know, you know, which part of the story do we start telling the story from and which is the sort of, what, you know, what, what you know, which is like the, as I said before, the power of the story. But nevertheless, I think it is interesting that it raises this issue of like the curiosity and the trying to delve into the motives which the Gemara had before in the various Midrashim, and some of this is alluding to those various Midrashim, you know, and, um, you know, I, I guess the, um, so anyway, to me that's interesting, I mean, I don't think that it's the only place it occurs, you know, I think, uh, but, but, but I do think that it's fascinating how much, and, you know, it does have to do with somewhat of the, uh, uh, of the, like, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe the whole idea that if things are a little less explicit in the Megillah, maybe, you know, God is less explicit, there's something more of a, of something more opaque there. So the idea of like trying to get to the bottom of what's really going on and what really are the motives, to me it seems a little bit more that that's the Gemara is focused on this a little bit more than it is in sort of like other biblical narratives. Um, you know, trying to um, to say like what motivated this person, but I don't know. I might be wrong about that. Um, anyway, here clearly it's interesting that the Gemara makes that sort of central to sort of saying it's not just saying which part of the story do you tell, but the question of which part of the story do you tell starts from a question of umarawa kaha, like what trying to be curious and trying to understand what was going on, what was the motive, what was the cause, what was the effect. Maybe also that's the point I'm trying to make, which is that it's not just a question of the motive of the people, but that the answer of all of this, of hand, that a miracle occurred and so on, is all about like God's hidden hand in history. Yeah. So it's like people's hidden motives and the response and the end result of God's hidden hand in history that led to the end result. So, you know, which is all part of the whole sort of Hesterpanim idea of the Migilah. Yeah.
All right. It's not taxes significant that items people might just overlook. Right. Otherwise, it's just random activities. Right. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's helping me, I think, articulate what I'm trying to say. Right. Otherwise, like, you know, it's all about how you frame the narrative. Like, it could just be it was all chance. You know, you have one guy that was up and then the other guy, whatever, right? So the whole point that the whole reason it becomes a McGill and it becomes a story is because you read meaning into it and you sort of see, you know, a certain, right, uh, coherence of the events. So, exactly. So it helps explain how they're related and what's really going on underneath the surface and also God, you know, how God is directing things. So, I I think that that's why a particular focus on this. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. We will let you have to say all of it. Even if you only have to say from Ish Yehudi, um, it's interesting, you didn't suggest even a later position of me but anyway, or the other ones, but nevertheless, it all has to be written in terms of the object of the Megillah. We quoted this before. It's called a Sefer, a book like a Sefer Torah, and therefore has a lot of the criteria of a Sefer Torah. But it's also called the letter, which is a letter is less serious than a book, so it's a less criteria. So Nikra Sefer Shintafra Bechutei Pishan Psula. It's called a Sefer because if you if you sewed up the parchments with flax. Uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, threads. It's invalid. You need to use basically uh, cactus, which is not made from calf, but made from what is it made from? Calf stomachs. What does calf got made? It's calf sinews. Nobody knows. Okay. Anyway, Vinikra Okay, Vinikra Igeret. It's called Vinikra. In Hitabot Shlosha Chutei Gidin Kshera. That even if you just had three strings of uh, to, 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 you know for the parchment of this uh, of, of the of the gidim, which is the actual thread that you use, I believe it's calf gut, then it's valid. Amar of Nachman Bovashi Mishulashim, as long as they are separated into thirds, which basically means that if you have two pieces of parchment, so there's a debate. Does third seem you have to have one sort of you know, that the threads have to go like this, right? So that's sort of three holes, but it only separates it into two. So that's what the risk says. Rashi and Tosa say, that we actually say, and they quote the whole Pesukim of Ari Niklat that we just had, that you have three holes, but that actually then, right, separates it, you know, and the thread goes like that, that actually separates it into four sections, right? <laughs> yes, you see that? So anyway, with, with three holes, you could either have, you know, but okay. Anyway, I mean, I guess the threads could go like this, so there's two threads, but it separates the parchment into four sections. Anyway, so it has to somehow divide the parchment into three equal parts, whether that means two sections or four sections, but the three have to be spaced. According okay. to Wikipedia, they're usually from sheep and goats. And they're, they're, they're like, right, they're the intestines, right? Yeah. Like three, right. Okay, yeah. that's hence the word, okay. So, if you read from the Megillah written amongst other scrolls, you have a, a whole scroll of Tanakh. And so you read the Megillah portion. Like, you pick this up. If this wasn't a book, this was a, a scroll. And you get to the Megillah section and you read it. So what's the halacha? Lo yatsa. You're not yotza. Wow. Now, this is interesting. because Does that mean it's not Sifre Kodesh? Of course it's Sifre Kodesh. This gets, again, to the double identity of the book of the Megillah as a Sefer Tanakh and as a mitzvah object. It might very well be a Sefer Tanakh when it's written with the other Sifarim in the same scroll, but it doesn't exist as a mitzvah object unless it's an independent scroll of Megillah. That's only if it is nothing that distinguishes it. It's not a little bit, the, the parchment of the Megillah section does not, is not a little bit longer or shorter. 
Aval, Aval, Machasum, Yasef, Worsum, it's a little longer, a little bit shorter, or wider, or narrower, I should say, then Leif Sanbat's not a problem, right? So if this was your scroll, right, and here you had, I don't know, root and whatever, and then you got to the Megillah, right, and the parchment looks like this for the Megillah, and then they continued on here for Kohelet, so then it would, it would be distinct, even though it was all part of the same scroll, and then that would be okay. Right? And the same if it would be a little bit narrower, it would exist, it would be distinct. So it doesn't have to actually physically be unconnected to the rest, but it has to be distinguishable from the rest and have its own identity. Um, okay. Levi Barshmuel had a kakari kame to Rabbi Yehuda ben Megillah k'suvah ben Aksuvim. Levi Barshmuel was reading in front of Rabbi Yehuda with a Megillah that was written as part of a of a scroll of a, amongst other uh, you know with other with other uh, of the of the Sifrei uh, Tanakh connected. Amar Levi he says him Amar Amar Makar to Megillah k'suvah ben Aksuvim. Well, Yossi said him you're not Yossi. Okay. Amar Rabbi Chiyabar Abba Rabbi Yochanan Makar to Megillah k'suvah ben Aksuvim. Well, Yossi. So again, the quote that you're not Yosef, if it's written as part, uh, you know, in continuous with others, with another, with others, with other secret Tanakh. Amocha, but then it means basically they banged it on the head, which means that they, after saying this statement, he limited it and he said Petzibur Shadim. That's only true when it's Petzibur. When you're reading it Petzibur, it has to be separate. When you're reading it Beyachid, it doesn't. Now that's interesting. We have different criteria, which leads to the whole question of a different status of reading Petzibur in terms of the aspect of Pirsumenisa. So therefore, it seems to be the point is, is that when it's Petzibur creates requirements of Pirsumenisa, the Megillah has to be separate, right? We even say, Gareth has dot, and it talks about the thing that was written as sort of almost like a visual aid in terms of the telling of the story, right? The Megillah itself is almost referred to in the story itself. So that aspect is needed in Sibur. In Yachid, you read it, you don't maybe have the element of Pirsumenisa, maybe not so bad. Now, the funny thing is that why don't you just say, look, just because I'm here with a Tzibor, I'm not Yotze? Had I done the exact same thing at home, I would be Yotze? And the answer is, yeah, you know, when you're in a Tzibor, it, cre- it not only allows for there to be Kirsume Nisa, it creates the demands of Kirsume Nisa. So you don't get credit for, well, I also did the reading that would have counted at home. In this context, you can, you're only Yotze when you <coughs> haven't fulfilled the Kirsume Nisa aspect. It's quite a fascinating idea. Okay. The now that we have this idea of banging, making it sound, banging it on the head, the phrase Mokhle Amocha, with Rabbi Kiyabar Abba Amar Rabbi Yochanan, we're going to say a few other things like that. The Amar Rabbi Kiyabar Abba Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Yomali Nishayi Bimi Arash, Yomali Bog Moshe Bimiyot, Yomali Nekev, Macha Tzidki. That cave that Moshe and then later Eliyahu was put in, the Gemara seems to think it was the same cave, um, if, um, you know, where God then reveals God's self to them, that, Lo Yirani Hadam Bachai, that I will put you beneath Hatsur, Vesakoti Kapi Alef Anavri, I'll protect you, so you won't see me, so you'll be able to survive. So he said, had there even been the tiniest little crack in that wall of the cave, right, and some of God's glory had, like, you know, had shone through that crack, so, um, they could not have withstood the light. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't Machle Amocha. It was just that he bar Abba Amor Yochanan. The Amor Rabbi Kibar Abba Amor Yochanan. My deceit. What's meant by the verse? Salehem kechol adivarim asher dibar Hashem imachem b'har. And he wrote on them all the things that God spoke to you on the mountain. The lamed as a kol hadivarim. Shereyo chalish baruch hu Moshe. He took the Torah. He took the Sofrim. God showed Moshe everything that would be in in the end part of the tradition. The uh, you know the the, the 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 meticulous aspects of the Torah. The metic- uh, this point about the about the Sofrim, like the derivations of the later scribes of the later. So, uh, uh, rabbis, you know, from the verses of the Torah, 
and even things that they would later innovate, not just their interpretation of the Torah, even newly innovated things, Umayyu Mikra Megillah. And what's the best example of that Mikra Megillah, right? It's a totally new mitzvah, it's not even based on, and you know, it's like, like I've been saying, it's the latest book of Tanakh, and we have all those early Midrashim where Esther says to the Chachamim, Kitvuni Lidoro, first she wants the you know, the, the, the idea that the Megillah has to be accepted in the secret Tanakh, then it's Kavuni Lidoro, so you have to make the Megillah into a Chag, right? All of these, like, innovations here, and here the Gemara, you know, and I've been saying that that's a theme of trying to sort of show the weight of it, as a Sefer Tanakh, as a Drushos that you make from it, you know, what allows it to be established as a new holiday. So here the Gemara, like, locates all of this all the way back at the Revelation of Harsinai, which we could also think about the famous Drushos, like Esther Mina Torah Minayan, right, and Nochi Hasteras here, Mordechai Mina Torah, Haman Hamin Ha'isa, you know, and so on, all of those locating it back in the original um, Torah. Okay, next Mishnah. Everybody can read the Megillah except for Cherishot of the Katan. Again, not excluding women, right? Women are obligated in Mikra Megillah. Um, and Rabbi Huda, though, allows the Katan, which is a surprising idea because isn't he somebody that is not obligated? Yeah. But the answer is, he, or we'll see, he's obligated rabbinically, and Megillah is only a rabbinic mitzvah, so maybe, therefore, he says that can work. Okay, it's true, but if you accept that he has a rabbinic obligation, maybe that could work for a rabbinic mitzvah. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Now, who's the cheresh? Cheresh is normally what in rabbinic literature when you speak about him not being obligated? Someone can neither speak nor hear. Right. What is the problem of talking that he cannot read the Megillah? He's not valid to read the Megillah. What? He can't speak. If he can't speak, he can't read the Megillah anyway. Right? You don't have to exclude him legally if he's not able to read it. So the cheresh here that we are referring to is somebody who can speak but just cannot hear. Okay, Cheresh in its more narrow sense does just mean somebody who cannot hear, right? Um, so therefore, it's just somebody who cannot hear. So So the only problem is he can't hear. Well, if he can't hear, he's a fully obligated person. Why can he not read the Megillah? So that's the Gemara's question. Let's take a look. Who says that a, someone who cannot hear cannot read the Megillah even did the Eved? Remember this? We had this a few days ago. If you say the Shema, but you're not, you, 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 are, you sort of say the word, but it's not loud enough for you to hear, then Yatsa, you're Yosei. You're not Yosei. So in a way, what you were saying is, it's not that as a personal status, he is not obligated or he somehow is excluded as a personal status. What we're saying is, in the act of reading, it's not a legitimate act of reading because he wasn't able to hear. Which, of course, you could have said the problem of Lohi Shmiel Ozno is that it's not audible, right? Not that he did not hear it. Like, he could read it loud, everybody else could hear it, just he himself. So we say, no, even if it's audible and other people have it, even if it's precise, somehow if he himself is not hearing it, is not really relating to the words that he's saying, then that somehow makes it a non-full Kriah. And presumably, not just non-full for him, but if the reader didn't hear his own words, everybody else wasn't Yose also. Tana undermines the act of reading if the one reading cannot hear the words that he or she is saying. Okay, so that, and we're learning from the Shema, according to Rabbi Yehuda, at least that Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yossi that says you're not Yose by Shema, presumably would say the same here. Okay, so the Gemara now continues um, like this. 
If he might be Yossi, how do you know it's Reb Yossi? B'diyevit Naniwa. When it's saying B'diyevit, it's not good. Yomar Reb Yehuda. Maybe it's Reb Yehuda. Now, it's not clear why they assume by Shema Reb Yehuda argues with Reb Yossi. The Tanakhama argues with Reb Yossi. So this Tosfos and Brachos, whatever, tries to figure out why this is. But the Gemara takes it for granted that the opposing view to Reb Yossi that says by Shema you don't have to hear is Reb Yehuda. So the Gemara says maybe our mission is Reb Yehuda that says that you're Yosei the Shema. But, maybe Rabbi Yehuda, all he says is that if you don't hear it. But maybe he would agree that you have to hear it. So when it says a deaf person does not read the Megillah, maybe it only means maybe it's Rabbi Yehuda and it just means that he does not read the Megillah. Okay, but maybe it's okay. That doesn't make sense. Tiktani, Chavish, do mean the Shota the Kapsan, because we're putting the Chavish in the same category as the Shota, the person who is not of sound mind, and the Kapsan, the minor. Umar Shota the Kapsan, the Abednami, those people are clearly the Abednami, they're not obligated, and they're out of the category. Afferish, the Abednami, so when we're excluding the deaf person, we're clearly excluding him and saying that even Bidi it's no good. We're not saying that it's just a Lichatriva problem. So the maybe not. Maybe each one is excluded on its own terms. The Cheresh is excluded and the Katan and the uh, Shot are excluded to the other. So the Gemara says, No, it's clear the beginning of the Mishnah is not Reb Yehuda. I mean, it's crazy how hard the Gemara is trying to make this Mishnah Reb Yehuda. But now it says, Look, the end of the Mishnah says, Reb Yehuda Machshir Katan. That Reb Yehuda allows a Katan. So clearly the beginning of the Mishnah is not Reb Yehuda, right? You understand what we're trying to do? The Mishnah says Cheresh is no good. That fits with Reb Yossi that says if you say Shema and can't hear it, B'diyevit is no good. We're trying to say, well, maybe the beginning of the Mishnah, Cheresh really B'diyevit is good, it's only L'Chadchila, and it's going with Reb Yehuda, who says it's only a L'Chadchila problem, not a maybe it's only a L'Chadchila problem, not a B'diyevit. But says, how can you say the beginning of the Mishnah, Cheresh is no good, it's L'Chadchila, Reb Yehuda. The end of the Mishnah says, Reb Yehuda is a counter voice. says you can't say Katan is no good, or Katan is good. So clearly the beginning of the Mishnah is not Reb Yehuda. So the Gemara says, Michal, the Reisha, Lav, Rebbe Yehuda. You see, the beginning is not Rebbe Yehuda. So the Gemara says, Vidyoma, uh, I'm sorry, let me tell you that. Vidyoma, Kula, Rebbe Yehuda. Maybe it's all Rebbe Yehuda. So this is like a little redundant. Rashi cuts out some of these words. But okay. Nidami, no. Reisha, with Sulav, Seva, with Sarah. You can't say it's all Rebbe Yehuda. In the beginning, the Mishnah says that a cotton is no good. Then Rebbe Yehuda says the cotton is good. So clearly, the beginning of the Mishnah is not Rebbe Yehuda. Maybe it's all right. How are we going to make it work? The Maybe there are two types of katan. And it's missing some words. Here's how you have to read it. Everybody is valid except for a katan. And we're trying to say cheresh, by the way, is only a problem. Because we're trying to say it's Rebbe Yehuda. When is this true? If the katan isn't at the age of chinuch, because then he's not even rabbinically obligated. Once the katan is at the age of chinuch, even with chinuch is allowed. So Yehuda machshir b'katan, because Yehuda says the katan is allowed. So this is like crazy acrobatics. Clearly, the beginning of the mission is not Reb Yehuda. We're trying to make it into Reb Yehuda, two types of a katan, in order to get a line that says the chayush is no good to be Reb Yehuda to be an only a problem. And again, the clear sense of the Mishnah is that a chayush is not good even to be yet. So Tosa says the reason we're doing all of these acrobatics is because we rule like Reb Yehuda. We rule that, the, that your yosei, even if you can't hear yourself, articulate the word. And because we rule like it, we're trying to force this Psalm Mishnah to be consistent with that Psalm. Because it is a little crazy, what are all these acrobatics? 
Alright, but anyway, we've established that the problem in the Mishnah, whether it's L'Chathil or B'Dyeved, is that you're not able to hear the words you're saying, and Reb Yossi by Shema says that's not good, and Reb Yehuda says at least it's good B'Dyeved. Alright, so let's take a look. So the Mishnah says like this. B'may ukimtak Reb Yehuda. You try to say our Mishnah is like Reb Yehuda. B'Dyeved. And B'Dyeved, it's, uh, it's going to be okay. Elohadetani, that's what we taught. Yehuda braid Reb Yishun, Reb Hazi. If you have this cheresh that can speak and can't hear, one type we're talking about, the chachila, Torin lechachila, can take trumas and maestros lechachila. Now, why should there be a problem? Everybody agrees that he can do it b'diyadeh, even like Rabbi Yossi, who has a problem with being able to hear what you're saying. But what's the lechachila problem? Because you don't have to speak to take trumas and maestros. You can do it even by thought. The lechachila problem is that when you take trumas and maestros, you proceed it with a bracha. So if you can't, if you're not yotze with the bracha because you can't hear, if that's the problem of being yotze, then it would be a lechatzchila problem of taking trumas and maestros because you then you'd be taking it without a bracha. That's not, not good lechatzchila. So we have a brayta that says that you can take it lechatzchila trumas and maestros, even the person who can't hear the bracha he's making. So money, who's it going like? If it's Rebbe Huda, you're trying to claim that Rebbe Huda only allows not hearing B'dyeved. He doesn't allow it L'Chachila. And if it's Rebbe Yossi, B'dyeved Namila. Rebbe Yossi doesn't even B'dyeved it's not good. At least the bracha is not good. The trumas would be not good. Um, but okay. So the Gemara says, So anyway, but who's saying you could take it L'Chachila? Right? So you try to make that even Rebbe Huda only allows it B'dyeved. So who would allow it L'Chachila here? So the Gemara says, um, uh, where are we? Um, the Elamai, Rabbi Yehuda, Vafilu, Chachila. You, so what do you want to say? You want to say that when Rabbi Yehuda says that if a person doesn't hear what they're saying, they're Yotzei, the Shema, that means that Mechachila they could say that they're Yotzei. Of course, and that would mean Mechachila here, they could say Tumas and Maishas. You want to say Rabbi Yehuda says Mechachila, it's okay. If that's true. So, where are we? Rabbi Yehuda, Vafilu, Chachila, El Hadithania, that's what we taught in the Brisa. Don't say in your heart without sort of articulating the words, but if you did that, your yod say, by the way, that's one level less. That's not saying the words and not hearing it. That's not even saying the words, that's just thinking the words. Okay, so money, who is that going like? Low Reb Yudav or Low Reb Yossi? Because according to you, it's not, go, not going like either Reb Yudav or Reb Yossi. E Reb Yehuda, you're trying to say Reb Yehuda, you're trying to say that Reb Yehuda allows it L'Chathchila, and that's the position of the Trumas and Maestros. So then he should allow the, this Birch of the Mavu L'Chathchila. E Reb Yossi, and if it's Reb Yossi, I feel like you have it wouldn't be good. So we do have a middle position. We do have expressed by this case of Birch of the Mavu in a middle position. So by Trumas and Maestros, we have totally Musar. Do it with Chathchila. By Birchus and Muslim, we say you're Yotei B'dyeved. So what the Gemara is saying is, when Rabbi Yehuda says it's okay by the Shema, whichever, whether you're saying Lechathchila B'dyeved, there's one unaccounted for position. Because we have one position that says Lechathchila's fine, one says Lechathchila's no good, B'dyeved is okay. So which one is Rabbi Yehuda, but the other one remains unaccounted for, right? Because Rabbi Yehuda says it's not good even B'dyeved. So what are you going to do with it? And of course the Gemara could have said, is this clear? So the Gemara could have said that the case of the Birch of the Mazon was worse because you weren't even saying the words at all, but it's not going to say that. So we have to account for all three positions. So let's see what the Gemara says. Fine, it's Reb Yehuda. Reb Yehuda says, even if you don't hear it. And that's the position by the Trumas and Maestros. So what do you do with this case of Birchas HaMazon? 
some, in, in his Rebbe's name, there's a Bidyevet position. The Tanya, we have a position. Rebbe Yudah Omnim Yishum Rebbe Lezer Ben Azariah. Rebbe Yudah says in the name of his Rebbe, Rebbe Lezer Ben Azariah, HaKorosh Shema Tzarech Sheyashmiel Azna. When you say the Shema, you have to hear, hear it yourself. Shenemar Shema Yishal Shemel Kenu Hashem Echad. You have to make it heard what, in your ears what you're saying from your lips. But the language of Tzarich, the Gemara's understanding to be as the Lichatchila language. Not to say that Lichatchila you're not Yotze, but that, I mean, B'dievet you're not Yotze, but that Lichatchila it's required. With Meromer, Asher Nochim Tzavacha Yom Al-Levavecha, Acher Kavanah Halev, Hein Hein Hatzvarim. It all goes by the Kavanah, not by whether you, you know, the act was hearable or not, but whether you understood and you thought about the words you were saying, even if it wasn't fully articulated. Okay. What? That's a good answer. So we have three positions. Rabbi Yehuda says, L'chathchila. Rabbi Yehuda in the name, uh, Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Rabbi Yehuda ben Azariah says, B'dievet, it's okay. And Rabbi Yehuda says, even B'dievet, it's no good. So the Gemara says, you know what? Now that you've introduced this Brita, how should Justice Lahachi, I feel the same Rebuta Karabe Sirele. Maybe Rebuta holds like his Rebbe, Rebbe Elizabeth Zari. Maybe you're right. Maybe Rebuta's only been the Evid. By Shema, by Birchas Hamazon. It's all Rebbe Yehud as well. Who's the position that says Luchatchilas okay by, like, by the Trumos? By taking Truma? The Hadatani, Yehuda, Braid Rebbe Shimon Ben Pazi, the Brita that we taught about taking the Truma, that Luchatchilas okay. That's Rebbe Meir here, because here we have by the Shema, the Rebbe Meir says, Lechatchilas okay. So we have, right, three positions. We've got, Lechatchilas okay, clearly Rebbe Meir by Shema, B'dyevet it's no good, Rebbe Yossi, and a middle position, Rebbe Yehuda, Lechatchilas yes, B'dyevet no. Now I just want to end by saying that, you know, not all, the same way not all acts of speech are created equal, number one, thinking as opposed to saying without hearing and so on, maybe not all mitzvot are the same. And if you take a look at this little tosos, it just ends with this, Elohadatanya, lo yivarachadam birchas hamazan belibo, Tosos says, Kasha, heichim is aminin birchas hamazan l'kriyat shema. What's the comparison? Bishlema migilai, iklamema desavar kamandamar desarach b'kriyat shema hashemat ozen, savar desikna rabbana migila kein deoraita. Avo birchas hamazan, tahavi deoraita, velo ksiv beishma, amino alon l'takein be desarach siyishma l'azna. So he says, I get why if you re- have to hear it by Kriyat Shema, you would have to hear it by Megillah. But Birchus the Muslim should be different. And, and then he gives an answer. But why, what's, what's the comparison? Why does Moses understand why it makes more sense to compare Megillah to Kriyat Shema than it does Birchus the Muslim to Kriyat Shema? Right? I mean, Kriyat Shema and Birchus the Muslim are the Raisa. Why does he think, though, that there's a, a logic that if, if Kriyat Shema requires you hearing it, Megillah should require you hearing it? Well, how are the acts different? It seems to me the acts are is that Kriyashim and Megillah are acts of reciting, reciting a fixed text. And Birch the Muslim the rabbis made up a text. So they're not both acts of reading, but they are of reciting a fixed text. So it's a more formalized, ritualized experience. So that could require, right, that it actually be said and heard, that we make some of those more formal, objective demands. Whereas Birchat HaMazon, although the rabbis composed the text, it's not the reciting of a fixed text. And therefore, the idea of that formal act of reciting, that it be heard, you even have a possibility that you could just think it, right? And so, so there might be, should be a lower criteria. So he, he gives what answer he gives, but I want to just put it out there that, you know, that, the, that we shouldn't assume that all of these things have the same criteria. There's different types of acts. The Megillah is different from Shema, that the Megillah is not just reciting, but it's reading from a book. And maybe all of those have different types of definitions in terms of what's required. Okay? Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
Yes. Right. Oh. Yes. I was going to ask, if a deaf person can't hear, right. how did you... Today's conference is 